Antony Blinken's visit to Kyiv continues. We will continue to stand by Ukraine's side, and today we're announcing new assistance totaling more than $1 billion in this common effort. That includes $665.5 million in new military and civilian security assistance. Plus, is there a possible alternative to the Black Sea grain deal? That actually Ukraine already handed a new proposal uh, to Turkey uh, in order to renew the the grain corridor, but not to include Russia in this uh, in this deal. And later in the program, we catch up with the latest on the U.S. Congress. Today is Thursday, September 7th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington. We'll catch up with Anna Chernikova in Kyiv in a few minutes, but we begin with Antony Blinken's visit to Ukraine. He arrived in Kyiv Wednesday on what was a previously unannounced two-day visit, his fourth trip there since Russia invaded. Kyiv was hit by Russian airstrikes just hours before Blinken's arrival by train from Poland. VOA's senior diplomatic correspondent Cindy Sane reports. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the United States wants to help Ukraine not just survive the full-scale Russian invasion, but to thrive. Blinken announced an additional $1 billion in U.S. aid to Ukraine. He and his Ukrainian counterpart, Dmitry Kuleba, visited a recently reopened McDonald's near the opera in the capital city. Kuleba thanked Blinken for helping get the restaurant reopened, saying it inspires confidence for Ukrainians facing a long, hard war. Blinken had some fries and this to say. And, and our friends at McDonald's were very eager to be back in, in Ukraine, to be back in, in Kyiv. And um, we've been saying to each other since they're back, the next time I was in Kyiv, we should uh, get a chance to stop by. But despite efforts to convey a sense of normalcy, Blinken's visit came on the same day that a Russian strike on a market in East Ukraine killed more than 16 people and wounded more than two dozen others, Ukrainian sources said. There were also Russian airstrikes on Kyiv just three hours before the top U.S. diplomat arrived by train from Poland. Blinken said the U.S. would support Ukraine through the coming winter and beyond asked if he was concerned about sustaining this level of support at home, Blinken was optimistic. Since I was last here almost exactly one year ago, Ukrainian forces have taken back more than 50 percent of the territory seized by Russian forces since February of 2022. In the ongoing counteroffensive, progress has accelerated in the past few weeks. But on Capitol Hill, Republican Senator Bill Haggerty told reporters he would like to see more support from U.S. allies on Ukraine. I'd like to see an announcement coming from all the NATO members saying that they're willing to step up and go alongside us. They just got back from a trip to Europe. We've encouraged our NATO allies to actually step up their game. I'd like to see that happen. The United States is the single largest donor of military aid to Ukraine. But a number of other countries, including Denmark, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Slovakia, Norway, Finland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, and the Czech Republic, are making larger financial contributions to Ukraine relative to the size of their own economies, according to the Kiel Institute. 
Cindy Sane, VOA News, Washington. As we've heard, one of Secretary Blinken's goals during his trip was to learn more about Ukraine's counteroffensive. Reuters' Ryan Chang tells us what he found out. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in Kyiv on Wednesday, meeting with Ukraine's leader Vladimir Zelensky as the U.S. announced another $1 billion in security assistance. Thank you so much. We are really thankful to you. We are very thankful to White House, to, to President Biden. The new package includes support for Ukraine's air defenses as their counteroffensive against Russia's invasion grinds on. It also includes HIMARS missile launch systems, Javelin anti-tank weapons, Abrams tanks, and Washington is set to also send controversial depleted uranium armor-piercing rounds, which could help destroy Russian tanks. Critics say dust from the munitions can cause dangerous health risks, like cancer and birth defects, if ingested or inhaled. It's the first for the U.S. in the Ukraine war, though Britain has sent depleted uranium munitions to Kyiv earlier this year. In Kyiv, Blinken praised Ukrainians for their resolve in taking back the territory. In the current counteroffensive, we are seeing real progress over the last few weeks. Uh, as it happens, President Zelensky just returned from the front line, so I was able to hear directly from him his assessment uh, of the counteroffensive. Uh, and I think it very much matches our own, which is, as I said, uh, real progress in, in recent weeks. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba said the U.S. is looking hard at whether to send Atakem's missiles to Ukraine. The long-range strike capabilities of those weapons have been top of Kiev's wish list, but the Biden administration has been reluctant to send them for fear of aggravating Russia. We discussed the provision of long-range Atakem's missiles to Ukraine in detail. We had a very substantive conversation. I'm glad that this option remains open. We hope that the discussions within the U.S. administration will lead to a positive decision. While in Kyiv, Blinken ate at a McDonald's with the foreign minister on Wednesday to mark the fast food chain's return to Ukraine. It briefly closed after Russia's invasion, but reopened its chains in the country last September. As the Secretary of State's visit was underway, Russia attacked a crowded market in the eastern frontline town of Konstantinivka. At least 17 people were killed and dozens hurt. Russia did not immediately comment on the attack. The Kremlin has denied deliberately targeting civilians in its more than 18-month-old invasion. Ryan Chang of Reuters with that story for us. As we know, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced new aid for Ukraine, totaling more than $1 billion. That includes upwards of $665 million in new military and civilian security assistance and millions of dollars in support for Ukraine's air defenses and other areas. We will continue to stand by Ukraine's side. And today, we're announcing new assistance totaling more than $1 billion in this common effort. That includes $665.5 million in new military and civilian security assistance. Uh, in total, we committed over $43 billion in, assist in security assistance since the beginning of the Russian aggression. We're sending our first delivery of mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles to Ukraine's border guards and police, uh, some of whom I'll have an opportunity to visit with tomorrow. And we're providing critical assistance for demining to help clear Russian landmines, unexploded ordnance, and other daily remnants of war-killing and maiming civilians. Uh, today, with President Zelensky, I discussed longer-term sustainable security arrangements, which will provide ongoing security assistance and modern military equipment across land, air, sea, and cyberspace, as well as training and intelligence sharing. 
President Volodymyr Zelensky met with Secretary Blinken in Kyiv on Wednesday, passing on a message of thanks for U.S. support. During the meeting, Zelensky also expressed his gratitude to President Biden and the assistance received in the energy sector ahead of the coming winter. Thank you so much. We are really thankful to you. We are very thankful to White House, to, to President Biden. His best regards to him from me. And uh, we are thankful to uh, bipartisan support to Congress that you show great unity around uh, Ukraine. And as you mentioned, this is my uh, fourth uh, visit to, to Ukraine since uh, the renewed Russian aggression in uh, 2022. And uh, I, as always, uh, so struck by the courage, the strength, the resilience of the Ukrainian uh, soldiers, uh, the Ukrainian people, and Ukraine's leaders. Um, we uh, are determined in the United States to continue to walk side by side with you. Several drones were launched into Russia overnight, targeting Moscow and military bases closer to the border with Ukraine. Karen Chamas has more. The drones apparently targeted three Russian regions overnight. There were reports of no casualties. One drone targeted Moscow but was shot down before it could cause any damage or injuries. The remaining four drones were shot down over areas that border Ukraine, in the regions of Rostov and Bryansk. Russia's defence ministry blamed the attacks on Ukraine. Ukraine usually does not take credit for strikes inside Russia. I'm Karen Chamas. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. Ukrainian local reaction to Blinken's visit, plus news of a possible alternative to the Black Sea grain deal. Anna Chernikova is in Kyiv. It was a press conference with President Zelensky. And um, uh, what we can highlight from, from what President Zelensky said, that uh, definitely he... Uh, he is thankful to American partners. He called American uh, allies, um, leaders in, in support of Ukraine and uh, in, in the assistance uh, of military equipment and uh, not only military, but also uh, other uh, ways uh, of supporting Ukraine. What he also mentioned is that definitely all the visits by U.S. representatives uh, are very much appreciated here in Ukraine and such visits uh, provide uh, additional support and uh, for, for Ukrainian society, for Ukrainian army and additional uh, belief of this defense possibilities uh, that Ukraine will get and will have on the, at the battlefield. And did he have anything to say about the um, new promise of a billion dollars in financial assistance? This is something that was discussed for some time now, and President Zelensky, uh, time to time, is mentioning that support will be more, that it will be more uh, things coming. So it was just uh, basically, it, it was another thank you, of course, from official Ukrainian authorities and President Zelensky himself. And um, yeah, just yet another uh, announcement of, uh, of, the, of the list of things that will arrive. And uh, well, it's quite impressive. Uh, and for, in Ukraine, it's you know perceived uh, as very positive, of course, and it's quite an, an, an impressive list uh, of uh, of new equipment to come. Now we also understand that Secretary Blinken spent the night in Kiev, uh, Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Was it a quiet night in Kiev? Were there air raid sirens? 
uh, yeah, it was a quite uh, a quiet night. Uh, nothing was happening uh, in Kyiv or Kyiv region. Uh, however, Odessa region again was under a very bad shelling. So it was the ports in Odessa that were attacked. Uh, yes, yet again, uh, the main target is port infrastructure. Uh, so Russian forces are shelling uh, the, the territory of, of ports and territory around the ports. And, and actually, the raw, damages, uh, the raw damages of the port infrastructure uh, facilities as well that were reported and confirmed. Uh, so, so yeah, and I guess this uh, this might be uh, also yet another explanation of why uh, Ukraine is thinking of of alternative grain corridor uh, to be to be introduced. Well, what kind of alternatives could there be to the grain deal that Russia left? Uh, well, according to the uh, according to the ambassador uh, of Ukraine to Turkey, uh, he mentioned that actually Ukraine already handed a new proposal uh, to Turkey uh, in order to renew the the grain corridor, but not to include Russia in this uh, in this deal uh, because. As was mentioned, there are alternative ways. Particularly, it was mentioned that there are uh, ways to uh, basically have this corridor through the territorial waters of Romania, Bulgaria, and Turkey, uh, and Ukraine. So th- th- this is what we know for now. Again, we will we will wait for some probably additional details on that. Has there been any reaction either from Turkey, Romania, or Bulgaria about this? Uh, not yet, officially at least. Uh, and uh, this is just something that uh, is coming today. Uh, this news, so probably we will uh, we will hear something from 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 all these countries, or at least some of those countries. Uh, for the moment, uh, this is only what we have, and there is no way to, you know, independently verify w- what was exactly uh, in that proposal. So we'll just have to wait uh, and and see uh, on how uh, this would um, how this would turn out. And finally, today, and a frontline update: Is there anything new from the battlefield? Um, basically, it's similar. Uh, it's similar stuff that we already uh, discussed, and that was al- uh, that was announced by the Ukrainian general staff about Ukrainian advance uh, in the area of Robotene in the Parisia region, and also in the area of Bakhmut. But what uh, would probably be interesting to mention that in in his recent interview for the Economist, uh, Trent Moll, the director of an uh, of analysis for America's Defense Intelligence Agency, mentioned that actually uh, Ukrainian advance and Ukrainian success, uh, Mr. Moll particularly mentioned that the progress uh, was done, uh, and this is quite uh, quite a good news for everyone, uh, both for Ukraine and for the allies. And uh, he mentioned that actually this gives a lot of hope uh, and a lot of uh, new possibilities for Ukraine, particularly with the next defensive lines that uh, that are on the way. And we'll leave it there for today. Anna Chernikova is in Kyiv. Anna, as always, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Steve. U.S. lawmakers face a long list of priorities as they return to work this week after their month-long August recess. With battles looming over U.S. aid to Ukraine and right-wing demands for the impeachment of President Joe Biden, the top concern remains funding the U.S. government to keep it from shutting down on October 1st. VOA's congressional correspondent Catherine Gibson has more. 
With just 10 working days left until funding for the U.S. government runs out on September 30th, there is almost no chance the Republican-majority House and Democratic-majority U.S. Senate can agree on a full year of funding in time. Chuck Schumer is the Senate majority leader. Time is short, and the only way, the only way to avoid a shutdown is through bipartisanship in both the House and the Senate. House Republicans have their first chance to show their commitment to bipartisanship when they return next week. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy faces criticism from conservative members of his party for cutting a deal earlier this year to avoid the U.S. hitting its debt ceiling. He argues a short-term spending bill keeping the government open will allow Republicans more time to negotiate spending levels. Michael Thorning is director of Structural Democracy at the Bipartisan Policy Center. They're really having some tough uh, negotiations and debates just within their own party. And so that's really where the sticking point is. And I, I don't know that it's any sign of long-term dysfunction. I think it's really just um, actually a function of a very slim majority um, in the House. U.S. lawmakers will also debate $40 billion in supplemental funding priorities unveiled by the Biden administration over the summer recess including $21 billion in military and humanitarian aid for Ukraine. Some conservatives are threatening to block that aid. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy. I'm certainly worried that Republicans in the House seem to be getting cold feet when it comes to supporting Ukraine. This is the worst possible time to suggest that there is any division in the United States over continuing to support Ukraine just as they are making progress. A major supporter of USAID to Ukraine, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is closely watched as he returns to work after a second episode of freezing up over the summer recess. McConnell downplayed concerns about his health Tuesday. Mitch McConnell is the Senate Minority Leader. One particular moment of my time back home has received its fair share of attention in the press over the past week. But I assure you, August was a busy and productive month for me. The U.S. Senate physician said there is no evidence that a stroke or seizure caused McConnell's episodes. Most Senate Republicans say they are still confident in his ability to lead. Republican Senator Mitt Romney. I don't know that anyone has a responsibility to uh, lay out all of their uh, medical documents, but uh, we do look at, uh, at, at the leader and how he's able to manage our caucus, and it's very clear he's been able to raise the money, get people elected, uh, direct us on important policy issues. U.S. lawmakers will also debate the massive annual national defense authorization after clashing over competing versions of the $886 billion legislation earlier this summer. Catherine Gibson, VOA News. Well, Congress is back in session, and that means VOA's Katerina Lisanova is back at work interviewing representatives and senators about the issues of the day. She had the opportunity to speak with Representative Mike Quigley, a Democrat representing Illinois, about funding for Ukraine. And let's start from the latest uh, topic, latest news. There are conversations about the fact that Ukraine should uh, organize uh, held uh, elections uh, during the wartime. Do you think it's a reasonable suggestion? What would be more, um, uh, uh, what would be better for Ukraine if Ukraine would uh, pro 
well, held this uh, elections or if not? You know, I think uh, the war reps represents a contrast between a dictatorship in Russia and uh, a sovereign democratic country in Ukraine. So I think anything that Ukraine can do to emphasize that distinction, that dramatic distinction, that even in times of war, democracy moves forward, right? Uh, during World War II, uh, the, the elections took place in the United States and in, uh, and in England and in other democratic countries. That process needs to continue. Anything that deviates from that gives those who would not support this uh, Ukraine in this conflict uh, fuel to say that there isn't that much of a distinction. So I know it isn't easy, but democracy isn't easy, particularly in a uh, in a conflict like this. Uh, if coming back to beginning of the work of the Congress, what are the main topics we should be prepared for? I gave a speech in Chicago a couple months ago in which at the beginning I said, what would you like me to talk about? The topics of the day, uh, crime and safety, education, healthcare, climate change, Ukraine, uh, you name it. The bottom line is the real issue is can we govern, right? So we go back after about a six-week break from being in D.C., and the first thing we have to do is fund the government. So as you know, there is a, a very, very small group on one side uh, of the Republican Party that has disproportionate influence with the speaker, just the circumstances of the day. The question is, will the speaker allow that to take place? Because I think if the normal process moves forward, we will at least have a continuing resolution to fund the government until we reach a broader compromise in the manner in which we did when we passed raising the debt ceiling. Here's what concerns me. If that process breaks down and the speaker won't let that bill go forward, there's a very real possibility that the supplemental which isn't just for Ukraine, but for disaster relief, will get bogged down in the whole process. That's a problem. To answer the broader issue, if the bill was on the floor to provide a supplemental uh, to Ukraine, uh, it would pass overwhelmingly, I believe, among Democrats and Republicans. What's discouraging at times is it's really a small group uh, that's having this undue influence. Uh, we, we often talk about the tail wagging the dog. Numerically, this is the tip of the dog's tail wagging the body politic. That's of concern. So I, I'd like to think that the cooler heads will prevail. I think a very likely scenario is that uh, we either pass a short-term continuing resolution or that if we shut down, it would be for a short period of time, and then uh, any compromise would include the supplemental to provide disaster relief and uh, enough assistance uh, to help Ukraine through the conflict at least for another year. That's VOA's Katerina Lisanova speaking with Democratic Representative Mike Quigley of Illinois. His district includes part of Chicago and its northwest suburbs. 
And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage of Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media, be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of everyone at VOA, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish. Washington, bam, 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 zip, D.C.